0: Greetings of the day, and welcome back to Equity Ed Talk, the podcast where Dr. Linda Nathan sits down with experienced educators to talk about how they center equity in their work. In today's podcast, we will continue to focus on cultivating leadership, and we zoom in specially on the intersection of identity and leadership. Today, we will hear from Priya Natarajan, school leader from an urban school district.
1: Welcome to episode 12. Hi Priya, thanks for um, chatting with me. I've been thinking a lot and I've been really looking forward to talking with you about cultivating leadership. I wanted to talk with you because you've been in leadership, how many years now have you been a school leader, Uh, you know, an official school leader?
0: You mean either a coach or an administrator, that would be three years.
1: Yeah, three years. Yeah. And when we were chatting about kind of how you think about leadership and cultivating leadership, you said something, how our backgrounds, our racial backgrounds, our gendered backgrounds, even our class backgrounds, shape our leadership styles and perspectives. And I, and also how lonely that can be. So I, I just wanted to hear you talk about that again.
0: Well, thanks, Linda. It's great to talk to you. So yeah I I think starting my teaching career um, the way I did shaped my understanding of teacher leadership as core in a school and I never saw that as being less than. Um, and so for my entire career I really saw myself as a leader you know within my classroom obviously but then also, Within my school, and I've, I've always been lucky to work in schools where uh, I do feel I've 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 had a voice and I've had the ear of um, the formal school leaders and the formal district leaders. And so, when I was given the opportunity, or, or I, I sought the opportunity to become a formal school leader, it, it's it was much later in my career than most of the people that I had started teaching with. Um, you know, it was twenty three years in, and I I felt at that time that I had um, I had gathered so much kind of knowledge and understanding from all these years working in the classroom and really being a scholar of what was happening in my school, in my classroom, and in on my teams and in my district um, that I wanted to explore and. I think that sense of why I decided to pursue formal leadership was in and of itself um, a different motivation than most other people that I was speaking to um, about why I had chosen to leave the classroom to become a formal, in that case, an instructional coach for the district. And it was really because I was looking at um, what was working. And I saw it as a form of, um, of learning and giving back. And the conversations I was having with other people was very different. Other other folks were interested in, you know, possibly asserting different levels of power or um, advancing a career. And perhaps there was still some of that that learning that curiosity, but it didn't seem to be the fundamental motivation for why they were seeking leadership opportunities. And for me, it was really about about my own learning.
1: You are such a researcher and I love the way you're describing your journey. You would only do this leadership work with curiosity and, and with research and sort of for you, it was almost an academic challenge. What was this academic exercise about leadership and mm. what would you learn as a leader? Yeah,
0: Yeah. what would I learn? And then, you know, considering myself to be Part of the team, and yeah. I, I had this feeling that you know, over over these twenty plus years of working in this district, being a parent in this district, that I could be um, a part of this team, uh, in and and really give back and also learn a different form of of teaching, right? So if I see that I'm, I'm still teaching, I'm still teaching about um, what's important in the school, what data matters in the school, how we are doing as a school, um, how we should treat each other in the school. I'm still teaching all of that, but in a different position. The core of the work is still the same, um, even if my title and position has changed. As I got to know more and more people in the district and thought about how differently I was phrasing some of this work or my motivations, you know, I, I think I did initially question, um, you know, whether I was making myself feel smaller, whether I was putting myself in a negative position. I do work in, a, in, a, in an urban school district, but um, I would say it's perhaps a, it's a different type of urban school district than, than other places might look. Uh, and certainly when I started to work here, it was very different. Um, and they're simply put are, are, you know, and not enough teachers of color, staff of color, certainly administrators of color. The district has made a huge push and it has improved quite a bit, but still it's a lonely place to work often. Um, and certainly as you, you know, any leader experiences that change in relationship, you know, folks who are used, used to be your, your colleagues and perhaps your friends, uh, the parents of my son's friends, mm-hmm. that all of that relationship necessarily shifts. Um, I'm not going to say it completely changes um, because you can still rely on some of those relationships, the trust that you've built, the character and integrity that you've shown for over 20 years. But, you know, the nature of your job in terms of, um, telling the story of the school and ensuring that the you know the school is is succeeding um and 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 the support that you give to students and staff and families that that shifts and that that's lonely for any leader but in particular for me I you know I did have to intentionally find mentors and sometimes they were in unlikely places um where you know, perhaps they they did not work in a school district um, or perhaps they worked in a different school district mm-hmm. uh, or they, you know, are other female leaders or um, leaders of color in other, you know, other arenas who I could bounce ideas off of and who didn't know any of, you know, the people that I'm talking about. Um, and I felt that, that was that was really necessary because for me, it's, it's difficult to show vulnerability uh, and any kind of humility in this job. Um, you know, you're that external leadership that people are looking for. They want you to tell a story and tell it confidently um, and, you know, really um, and be in the position of authority, whatever they feel that is. And there are times when you're learning the job as a school leader that you genuinely do not know what you're supposed to be doing. And that is what the right choice is. There might be five choices, and there are certainly pros and cons of each. But sometimes um, it, there's a question mark about which one you are, you would should be, you know, the one that you choose. And um, it's it's really it can be a dangerous um, effort to to put your vulnerability out there and say. Um, I I need some assistance with this. Luckily for me, or unluckily, as the case may be, I've had 25 years of that. Um, and I think also in when you are in clearly a learner stance of in your first few years of teaching, or even in the first few years of working in a school, there's a safety and an expectation that you do that. You show your vulnerability. You ask a lot of questions. It's okay to say, I don't know how to do this. But when you are an official school leader like an administrator or a coach um, it is expected that you already know how to do everything and i think as a as a female leader of color to me it felt like i needed to have a place that was not within my school to ask those questions i think
1: the road you're on where you're absolutely right as a leader you're constantly being called upon to be confident state Mm -hmm. the vision state the plan and you're just not allowed grace a lot of the time although you did say something that i'm going to carry which is you've been in the same district for so many years now and you have so many relationships that perhaps people carmen also used to talk about that too you do have her phrase was money in the bank you yes. didn't have a lot of that. So,
0: I think. Well, of- I, I think it's that's a double edged sword. Uh, I think yeah. I, I mentioned to you that, um, you know, in terms of the mentoring piece, yeah. uh, um, I have never felt that I could show that vulnerability or that lack of confidence. And mm-hmm. therefore, it was simply assumed that I already had that knowledge. And so. Every school I've ever worked with, I've been called upon very early to be a leader, a formal leader of some type, whether it was team leader, department leader, um, and then as a mentor for others. Um, and as, as a leader of color, I, mean, I, I was asked to mentor many people, often unpaid. And that's that's obviously a common story as well. You know, I often end up talking to people. Um, to, to younger teachers, younger staff members about how to make my way and how to keep my own identity and manage all of this um, and giving them advice. And, you know, it's, it's just striking to me that I still, you know, don't have a formal mentor. Um, you know, I have my principal who is a, a wonderful person and, and he's been super helpful. In terms of like explicitly talking through the leadership challenges that I have specifically in my own experience, um, I've had to search that out and I have been able to because of my years of living in this place and doing a lot of work outside of the school system. And I've gotten to meet and build relationships with so many people. I want there to be um, a pipeline that supports younger leaders of color you know, of all genders, t- to see themselves as give having something to say and give back, it's it's been difficult for me. Um, and so, how would that feel to someone younger or new who doesn't have these kinds of networks? Yeah, yeah, it's always striking to me. And you know, I've I've been on many many principal panels and assistant principal panels over my years here and. Um, it's it's interesting to me what kinds of um, experience, not just numbers of years, but also types of experience, are considered kind of sufficient to lead a school. Mm-hmm. And it's it's striking to me that, um, and I've never you know I've never graphed this before, but as a math teacher, I feel like there must be some data around. You know, like how many years do female educators and edu- female educators of color feel a sufficient experience mm-hmm. before they start to put themselves forth for these formal opportunities versus, you know, other other folks? Um, and I wonder if there's I'm sure there's some data around that, but it's something that I question in myself too, and I want to make it better, you know, for for people coming through because, people shouldn't have to wait that long.
1: Well, thank you, Priya. I mean, I I think, as you know, I have such deep love and admiration for you. And I'm sort of hoping with this podcast, you know, is that it will live on and people will listen to you and will think, um, how do I create those pipelines in my district? Kids deserve to see and need to see leaders of color just as they need to see teachers of color. And you have played such an important role there. there. I I think you've given us a lot of things to think about and I know I will be, be thinking about your questions. So thank you so much for talking with me and I look forward to seeing you soon.
0: Yeah, thanks Linda, I appreciate it.